Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me, Mel, our co-host. Mel, are you into the NFL? I am by default. My husband is might be the most obsessed NFL person you've ever met in your life. By obsessed, you mean like every Sunday afternoon, he's he's like armchair quarterback, ready to go, or what? Well, do you-, you know, the Lord is gracious to him, he, and he's a pastor, so he doesn't get those Sunday <laughs> afternoons like he used to. Right. But I will tell you that he's the only person that I know that watches like the entire NFL draft and listens to podcasts just so that he can excel in like all three or four of his fantasy football leagues. Really? Yeah. Like crazy town. Wow. I did not know this about Charlie. That's amazing. Okay. So who, who are you a fan of then? What's your NFL team? Oh, well, when we got married, we decided I'm a Colts fan and he's a Cardinals fan because we were bringing both of those into the marriage. So we're Colts fans. Okay. So he, you're saying, okay, gotcha. So in baseball, he's a Cardinals fan. Yeah. Because I now, was, because you're a Cardinals married. fan. Yeah. And then he, he, what was he? He wasn't a Colts fan. You're a Colts fan. He, no, he was a Colts fan. Oh, he was a sure. Colts fan. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I just adopted that team. I didn't have an NFL team. You didn't have an NFL team. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I you you told me you were a Colts fan. I'm like, how, tell me why, what was the background of that? I mean, obviously you grew up in Indiana, but Oh, yeah, further and my away parents really like the Colts games. Like we go as a family sometimes. Nice. Well, I I have had to kind of like become like grandfathered into the whole NFL scene because I grew up in the South, oh, and so okay. grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. Lived in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So that's SEC country college football. Saturdays was the big time day. Right? Gotcha, gotcha. We didn't, really, at the time, like the Atlanta Falcons, some people liked watching, but it wasn't really, you know, like the NFL just wasn't a big thing because college football trumped everything. And so now I've had to kind of learn this whole NFL culture in the Midwest. And so I'm a Colts fan as well. That's Absol- awesome. Absolutely Colts you know, fan. One of my favorite things about watching sports with my husband is whenever a team, it's imminent that they're going to lose and then the camera goes to the crowds and people start bawling their eyes out like grown men. (laughs) Davey, Charlie said it's one of my worst characteristics, but I can't stop laughing. I think it's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's amazing what we root our identity in. That's absolutely sure. I mean, I can't believe the guys who are like stripped down, you know, shirts off, painted up in the middle of like Green Bay in January, you know, like that's dedication right there. That's commitment. For real. <laughs> well, I bring it up because we have an interview today with Lamoris Crawford, and he is the chaplain for the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, <laughs> you're laughing right now because I said Bengals before we got on air, and you guys all chided me for saying Bengals instead of what is it? Bengals. Bengals. We have Mel and I have a disagreement, and maybe you guys on the airwaves, you guys can settle the disagreement. Uh, maybe share this episode and and tag us and let us know whether you believe it's Bengals or what? Say it again. Bengals. 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 Maybe or, it's maybe it's because I'm from Southern Indiana. I don't know, but I I feel is. like it's how Lamora said it. <laughs> I I want our listeners to know that it got so intense between Dave and I that we were actually. Googling all the sounds that an E makes, we, we and we we both are teaching first grade English to our children right now. So we're like busting out all the intellect that we have in our arsenal. Like we just went funny. over this in homeschool curriculum last yeah. week. E does not make an A sound. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. Oh, uh, it was awesome. But Lamoris has an incredible story, and I mean. This is one of those conversations that I was floored to be able to have with him. I heard about him through a mutual friend and invited him on. He came and sat down in our studio um, at my house, and and we got to chat. And I'm telling you, this guy just, he just preaches. You can tell what he does as a traveling evangelist. It's just in him. It's who he is. And yet he's had to overcome some really difficult things. I mean, he did not have a great upbringing whatsoever. And I think what I admire about Lamoris is... He's not allowed the, I guess you could say, the dents of his past become his identity. He really has adopted a, a new identity. And I think oftentimes, Mel, we see people come to know Christ, um, and, and they've got 
all this stuff that's happened in their past, this pain, this hardship, this trauma, they come to know Christ and um, they're not, they don't, they don't really see actual true healing or emerging from that pain and hardship. It's like they continue to kind of carry that around mm-hmm. a little bit with them. And sometimes even I, I've seen people can tend to um, allow their 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 trauma, whether it's big P, big T trauma, little T trauma, whatever their tragedy is that they've experienced in their life, they can allow that to define them moving forward. I see it so often. And Lamoris is a living testimony of someone who has drawn a line in the sand and said, no, this isn't going to define me. I, I'm not going to become a victim of this. It is definitely a story that I have, but I'm I'm going to let this what's happened to me refine me and 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 allow God to change me into the person that He's called me to be. Yeah. Well, I I'm really excited for our listeners to hear Lamoris' story because um, I just don't think many people have context for his upbringing. And I know probably a lot of people that uh, I know as I was listening to it, I could not imagine what he grew up and, um, and yeah, just exactly what you're saying. It, it, his past does not defy him. He carries everything good from it. Mm. And honestly, it reminded me of Abraham in the Bible. Um, you introduced me to a podcast called um, Bema or Bema <laughs> Discipleship, which we had a funny Ironically, conversation it's about. Spelled B-E-M-A. So we had, we, all kinds of E sounds are tripping us up <laughs> on at, the Nothing this, is Wasted podcast. Look at this hypocrite, podcast. me raising my hand right now, the hypocrite who calls it the Bingles and the Bema podcast, of course. I don't really yeah. know how we... It's Hebrew, well, whatever. Well, so <laughs> what I love about it is um, in the podcast, they introduced me to Abraham and it really led to a deep dive for my own personal um, study in God's word. And I've been studying Abraham's life and uh, and Genesis in general. But mm. um, one thing that the Bema podcast mentions is that Abraham never let um, his bad chapters define him. Like whenever he told mm. his wife to be his sister and um, whenever there was moments of just sin in his life, like yeah. uh, I've been doing cross references. And when I read Hebrews 11, like he is, he is in the hall of fame for right. faith. And not only is he in the hall of fame, but out of like the nine paragraphs in chapter 11 of Hebrews, he's in three of them. So right. um, he just, you saw there's so much humility and repentance. So anyway, I saw that in Lamoris and his story. Yeah, I think that's amazing. By the way, the Bema podcast, Bema podcast, whatever you want to call it, it's a great podcast. Um, they don't know us, so they're not asking us to endorse it. We just are obsessed over it right now. So yeah. it's definitely a great thing if you want to do a deep dive into scripture. Um, but I'm really excited for you guys as the listeners to listen to this conversation we have. You're going to hear a lot of Lamoris's backstory and how he emerged from this trauma that he experienced now to minister to other people. But first, before we go to that, I want to draw your attention again to our new stories platform. It, this is an awesome way for you as the listener to submit your story. I know that you're walking through something. You have walked through something. God's done something profound on the other side of that. You've walked through and traversed a valley, and we want to hear about it. And we want our our uh, Nothing is Wasted community to hear about it. So we've created this platform where we can share more and more stories. We're limited to how many podcasts we can release, how many stories we can share over podcasts, 52 yep. of them in a year. And we're so, we have, we've been so inundated with these that we wanted to open up another avenue. So if you go to nothingiswasted.com slash stories, you can read some of the stories that people have submitted. And um, and I could tell, attest, like we love when you guys send in yeah. stories. It is so encouraging. So yeah, keep sending them in. Um, and another thing that we absolutely love is when you show us the love on iTunes and you rate and mm-hmm. review us. Um, right. So please, if you get a second to do that. And um, as you're listening to this podcast, yeah, just screenshot it. I love when Davey shares people that have shared the podcast and I'm like, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> Tell me what you're learning. So um, yeah, mention us on Instagram. So without further ado, let's listen to Davey's conversation with Lil Morris. Lamoris, great to have you on the podcast, man. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to hearing everything about your story because I've just caught bits and pieces from a mutual friend of ours who we had breakfast a couple months ago, and he said, you've got to have my friend Lamoris Crawford on your podcast. He's got an unbelievable story. So before we dive into that, why don't you tell me a little bit about your family, 
tell me what you do. Um, what is what does life look like in the Crawford household right now? Yeah, so I'm married to my beautiful wife Megan. Uh, this July it'll be 11 years of marriage. Wow, and we have four kids. Uh, my son, Ooh. my son Kai Lamoris Kai, will be 10. Amaya okay. Grace eight. Kenna Love six and Easton J four. Easton. So it's a full party every day at our that's house. That's awesome. So yeah, that's my fam. And my wife and I serve full time as the team chaplains to the Cincinnati Bengals. So oh, man, that's awesome. Full-time ministry to pro athletes. That's so fun. What a cool space to be ministering in, you know, to yeah. be able to 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 not rub shoulders necessarily, but to be able to rub God's word off and influence off on these guys and just help them as they're navigating some waters that man, I mean, you get these guys who are jumping into this space of, you know, yeah. fame and fortune and and all the things that the world tries to throw at them, and you're getting to intercept them right there with God's word. That's the plan. That's so right? cool. <laughs> uh, humbling. Uh, we start in our seventh year. Um, serving the team. Wow. And I've been a traveling evangelist for 15 years. So off season, oh, wow. I'm all over the country preaching. I take my fam with me. And, uh, but yeah, it really is an honor to, to impact, or we say influence the influence. Yeah, so, that's cool. We love it. That's really cool. Easton, I love that. I'll, I'll, I'm going to say this before we jump into your, to your story. Uh, we are pregnant with a boy right now. Okay. As the, uh, currently, as we're recording this podcast, I don't know when this is releasing. It might, we might have already had the baby by the time it's released. <laughs> but our, our, our one son is named Weston. And so someone texted me the other day with a picture of an Easton baseball bat because yes. I played baseball in college. Yes. It's like, you've got to name your second son this. You got Weston and Easton. Yes. And I'm like, I don't know about that. But I love <laughs> that name, man. It's yeah. awesome. Easton J. J A E. That's so cool, uh, man. Yeah. That's so cool. So. Well, you are doing some tremendous ministry. You travel around the country. You're you're sharing the gospel. Um, but I know that your life has been dramatically impacted by the gospel. Um, I think that's one of the most powerful things is when somebody um, they don't just believe it; they've lived it, and they um, they understand it from even the places of of some hardship and some pain. So um, I want to hear your story. Take me back um, to you growing up. Talk to me a little bit about what what was that like? Yeah, um, I, I'm from Chicago. Uh, I was born in Chicago housing project called Agil Gardens on the south side of Chicago. Okay. And I was raised by my grandma. Uh, my grandmother raised nine children as a single mom on welfare. And uh, she struggled and did the best she could. And when I was 10 months old, my mother was murdered um, mm -hmm. at the age of 17. And so my mom had my brother at 14. She had me at 16, and she was murdered at 17. Wow. And my uncle was in the gang. He was murdered at 17. Uh, my aunt was murdered at 28 by her boyfriend. And I had another aunt that died from a brain tumor from asbestos in the projects. Wow. So my grandma raised nine kids. Four of her kids died, and she raised nine grandbabies. Oh, my gosh. And so I've never met my dad, don't know who he is to this day. And so I grew up with a huge question mark on top of my head of who am I mm. and why am I here? Mm. And I was angry. My grandma did the best she could with what she had and uh, basically had one ruler in her house, and it was, and I don't care what you do between 8 and 3.30, just don't come home. Mm. And so no, no one in my family finished high school. No one in my family went to college. And so education was on the back burner. Right. I wasn't made to go to school. I would literally come home, throw my books outside, and be outside 10, 11, 12, 1 in the morning, you know, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. There's no structure in my home. Wow. And my new my grandma loved us, uh, but she had, you know, pain and issues of her own. Yeah. But I'm grateful she did take us in. So I went to school. Two reasons why I went to school. I got a free meal. Mm -hmm. Right? I was on a hot lunch plan. Because there were times I would come home and we were struggling, you yeah. know, syrup sandwiches, sugar sandwiches, powdered milk. Wow. And I knew if I went to school that day, I would eat. And so uh, the second reason why I went to school was I love gym class. Mm. Like I grew up, you know, old red dodgeball <laughs> print to the face, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, But I picked up a basketball. Okay. And uh, at a very early age, that became an escape. Mm. Uh, my reality and what was happening in my life when I was on a basketball court and at 94 feet, it didn't matter because mm. I got really good and it helped me escape pain for a season. And uh, my desk sat next to the teachers. I was a kid that was suspended. I was a kid that was in trouble. I, you know, I was in a gang by 11 and selling crack cocaine by the age of 14. Wow. 
And so I just began to repeat the cycle in which I was raised in. Yeah. Um, don't remember doing homework. Don't remember reading a book. And uh, they didn't want to graduate me to eighth grade. But my grandma, my grandma, I'm telling you, and where I'm from, you know, where I grew up, we would say my grandma was a hustler, you know. <laughs> and uh, to this day, my grandmother died of brain cancer 2012. Mm. But to this day, I still don't know what she did. To She met with the school board and came up with a deal for me to graduate the eighth grade. Wow. I do not know what that conversation was, but my grandma can talk. <laughs> wow. They said a Lamore she can pass. <laughs> yeah, she, she, and, uh, you know, my grandma died at 72 years old, never having a driver's license. Man. My grandma, we took public transportation everywhere we went. My grandma was such a hustler. She will bum a ride off you and you will pay her gas money. <laughs> no, for real. My grandma, she never had a bank account. She kept her money in her bra and her pillowcase. Wow. And I watched for years my grandma struggle and to help and make ends meet for mm. basically 18 kids. Mm. And I'm grateful for that hustle and that grind, you mm. know. But but she met with the school board and came out with this deal. They said if Lamores can pass the Illinois State Constitution test, we'll graduate him in the eighth grade. Mm. And so you needed a 75 to pass. I scored a 76. Wow. And I made it to high school. America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, my high school was 2,500 kids. And... Um, uh, my freshman year, I, I, I made the basketball team. Mm. I was a star and point guard on the B team. I mean, our school was so big, we had an A and B team. Wow. So I was a B team starting point guard. By my sophomore year, I started as a sophomore. My junior year, I was the only junior starter on varsity. I was a four-year starter. Wow. And uh, and I was very popular. Uh, Turner by King, homecoming court, prom court. I was voted the most athletic out of my class, the most popular kid. I hung with all the stereotypical dudes. Yep. Uh, drugs, you know, I would get high, drink. And at that time in the 90s, it was, you know, if you're dealing with pain, mm. you get high and it goes away. Right, right. You get drunk and it goes away. Mm. Well, I would come off being high and none of my problems changed. Mm. I would come off, you know, drinking and none of my problems changed. Yeah. And I was broken and I didn't understand why. I was popular. Mm. I I can get with whoever I wanted. I hung out with the most popular kids in school. But at night I was broken. And I remember at 18 years old, this thought in my mind, If, and I remember if this is what life is about, I'm going to be bored because I did it all. Right, right. And now by my senior year, I was being recruited for basketball. I always wanted to leave Chicago. I was like, give her brother a scholarship to Alaska, send me to Africa, get me up out of here. I would go anywhere <laughs> and hoop. Uh, but I ended up scoring a 14 on my ACT. And so all the schools turned their back on me and I took a scholarship to a community college. And I played one year of basketball there. And when I was 19 years old is when I had an encounter with Jesus mm. that rocked my life. And it happened through my first cousin. He was the leader of a gang in our neighborhood. And he had about 300 kids under his authority. They carried drugs for him, guns for him. Whatever he told them to do, they did. Wow. Well, he meets this girl, walks her home. Her dad locks him in the living room. Preaches the gospel of Jesus Get Christ to here. him. No kidding you. Builds a relationship with him and leads him to the Lord. Oh my gosh. And I watched his life change. And he sat me down, told me the gospel, and I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Wow. And I was baptized December 31st, 1999. Wow. And from that decision, I finished at that community college with an associate's degree, transferred to a four-year university, got my bachelor's and master's degree. And I'm the first in my family ever to attend college and obtain a college degree. Jeez. And so uh, that's my short story. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> and what God's done in my life. Um, Holy cow. But... Lamorce, what was what was it about the gospel that got a hold of your heart? Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, you're coming from such a, a different uh, upbringing. So, you know, anti the gospel. Yeah. But something grabbed a hold of your heart. Something grabbed a hold of your, your cousin's heart. Yeah. But what was it specifically that made you go, no, this is this is where it's at? Yeah, I, th I think it was twofold. The first was you know, my when this experience happened with my cousin, he was 16 years old. For three years, I watched his life. So mm. I saw him commit to the local church. Mm. I saw him get out the gangs. I saw his life change and I was intrigued. But I didn't bite because I was the man. Yeah. What do I need God for? And I'm signing autographs after school. I could do whatever I want with whoever I want. Right, right. What, right? But at 19, and this is what got me with the gospel, is that if I'm still broken, 
but yet I'm the man, something missing. Mm. And it was because I couldn't process my life. Yeah. I was by 19, I was filled with so much anger and pain from my childhood that when I found out what Jesus did, it gave me something to reach for. It was a, like to think that this dude died for me. Right. Like it intrigued me. Right. And then as I got to hear his story, mm-hmm. it resonated with my pain. And to know that he died for that. Yeah. Oh, it was a done deal. Man. I said, is this for real? Yeah. You know, and that redemption story, it, it resonated. So the life of my cousin and this story of redemption. Wow. That was for me. Yeah. Even if I was the only person, he died for me. It changed my life. Wow, you're kind of speaking to like a like a Solomon type experience, you know. In Scripture, Solomon king had everything, you know, and and it says in um, that you know in Ecclesiastes he he chased after everything that he yeah. possibly could. Yeah, right. So he chased after uh, uh, women, mm-hmm. chased after wealth, mm-hmm. chased after accomplishments and building things chased after through the biggest parties there were chased after everything yeah. that could give him pleasure. And he felt empty. Yeah. Everything was meaningless. And you kind of had that experience is what it sounds like. There was yeah. just this like, man, I've had everything there is to all the world can offer. There's gotta be something more. Yeah. Yeah. In all of this. Yeah. Do you, so you've come, you come from this like really, I mean, really broken past all this, like what you just referenced, all this pain that you had, inside of you, this anger, this, this rage. And I know that the truth of the gospel can rescue people out of that immediately. But one of the things I think about often is that, you know, the gospel saves us. The gospel also heals us. Yes. Every day we need the gospel to be reminded of the fact that we're broken and that we need the, the power of what Jesus did for us on the cross to break those strongholds yes. and chains. Have you seen that since you got saved at 19? Now you're how old? I'm 39. 39. Yeah, so 20 yeah, years, right? Yeah, yeah. How has that reality transformed your life over the past 20 years since you got saved and helped to mend some of the brokenness of your past or kind of reframe or restructure um, you know, your identity yes. yeah, and who um, you are in Christ? It changed everything. It, it changed everything. Um, you know, I'll be transparent with this and, you know, I don't mind, but my mom was a prostitute. Mm. And so that's why my family don't know who my dad is. Okay. And uh, my mother was also a drug dealer. Yeah. And so when I got old enough to hear this story and, you know, you know, with sin comes shame. Yeah. And there's been generations of shame. Even to this day in my family, there's still shame mm. with the stories. So it took me some investigating personally to really get to this root. Yeah. And part of why I did it was that knowing that God called me to preach the gospel, I knew that my pain can become somebody else's deliverance. Oh, wow. And so I intentionally endured it so mm. that I can speak life to someone else. That's so good. And so when I found out that my mother lived this lifestyle, it answered some questions of why I had question marks, mm. right? Yep. And so... So I find out I, my family don't know who my dad is. My mother lived this lifestyle. And so the identity crisis was that I was an accident. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. But I found the place where it was written that I formed you in your mother's womb. Oh, come on. So for every pain that was revealed, I saw an answer in the word. Wow. And so it rocked my identity. Right. Yep. He put the desolate in homes. Mm. He becomes a father to the fatherless. So everything I thought that getting high can change, sleeping around can change, drinking can change, popularity, my athletic ability, it was fleeting. Wow. Now I found out that, man, this is real. This is what changes legacy. Mm. And so when I begin to meditate on these scriptures and dive into them and live them and, and just eat them alive, it changed my identity. And it literally, no exaggeration, gave me a reason to live. Wow. And, and, and to this day, those daily reminders, right, help shape who I am as a father. Yeah. Right. I'm able to be a father to my children that I never had. Mm. Only the grace of God can do that. I'm not smart yeah. enough. You know, I scrapped the 2.0 in high school to stay eligible to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Well, when I graduated my master's degree, I graduated with a 389. Mm. There's nothing in between there but the grace of God. Wow. 
right? To be a father. How do how can I be a father and yeah. I've never seen one? Yeah. The grace of God. How can I be a husband when no marriage? Yeah. I've never seen a life giving yeah. <laughs> covenant marriage, right? The grace yep. of God. So to answer your question, it was it was God's word with a wow. partnership of grace in my life. Do you, do you have any you have any insight into that? I let, those two questions that you just asked, how can you be a father without having the construct of that growing up in your life? You know, there's so many people who are listening to this. Yeah. They grow up, they've grown up in broken homes. They're perpetuating the cycle of brokenness inside their own life. They're trying to figure out how do I get out of this? Or they're trying to figure out how do I stop this cycle in my own family? Mm. And, you know, they're asking the same question. How do I be a father when I didn't know... Yeah, a father. I don't know what that looks like, or how do I be a good husband or a good wife when yeah. that was not the story of my family's legacy before me? Yeah. What are some moments, maybe, as you have begun wrestling with that, where you can recognize, wait, okay, I, I'm struggling with figuring out how to do that here, but God's grace has really Absolutely. being extended to me in this. Do you have any? Yeah, times a couple. That you can um, on the father piece, you know, it's. I believe our walk with God is a partnership. Hmm. I believe we bear responsibility to respond to grace. Oh, wow. Yep. And so what's the definition of responsibility? Having the ability to respond. Yeah. So I had a decision to make. I can wallow and park in my pain, mm. or I can get up and partner with grace. Oh, now, grace does the work, but I just got to at least move. Yeah, yeah. So one thing on the father piece is that there was a few men in my church that I asked if I could have lunch. Mm. And so I would say, for the sake of names, I'll say Mr. Johnson. Mm -hmm. You know, I was wondering if you're not doing nothing on Wednesday, you know, I got class until 11. I was wondering if I can just grab lunch lunch with you. Mm. He'll say, Lamorse, absolutely. I'll go meet Mr. Johnson. I already had a preset of questions ready. Mm. If you could do anything um, at 21 years old, let's say if I was 21 at the time, you know, what would you do different? Um, what first question was, I would love to hear your story. Mm. So I always engage in a person's story. Yeah, right. Then I have my other questions. You know, if you could change something different at 21, what would you do? Was there anything that your father did in your life that you didn't want to do with your sons? Mm. What would you say to a new father? Uh, I wasn't even married yet. You know, what would you say to a new father who's married is going to have a kid? So I just had the same questions, but I would get in contact with different men in my church. Wow. And um, I had a mentor that would have us over on Friday nights. It'd be about five guys in a circle. And this, I'm, you know, I'm 39, so tape recorders was, you know what I mean? Tape decks was for real, right? <laughs> yeah. CDs was on the scene, but, yeah. and he had these old Bible teachings mm -hmm. on on um, cassette tape. And he was just press play in the middle and we got out pens and note, uh, notepads and pens and we're taking notes, listening to the word. Wow. And so, you know, I was just intentional in getting up, but allowing grace to do it. Yeah. Um, because I, I, we, we can't be lazy for change. Yeah, that's good. Right? Yep. Even Zacchaeus had a decision to make in mm -hmm. Luke 19 to get out that tree. Right. Just because he saw Jesus, just because Jesus walked by, and just because, because Jesus called him by name, he still had to make a decision to go. Wow. So grace was present, but he had to get up. Mm. And so I just had to get up. You know what? No, dad, I, I want to do something different. I want a different legacy. So I got to pay the price on what that looks like. And, it, and at times, just to be, you know, 100, you know, my church was about 60% white. So the men that I pursued, the first three were all white men. Yeah. And so that that was a challenge. Yeah. Right? Tell me about that. Why? Oh my gosh. You know, because the mindset I grew up in is, you know, white people are the devil, mm. you know? And, um, but when, 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 G, when I encountered Jesus, the men who influenced my life the most didn't look like me. Mm. So that broke the spirit of racism off my life. Oh, wow. And so I saw men who loved their wives. I saw men who loved their kids. Yeah. And I just wanted it. I didn't care what color you are. Yeah. Of course, I had uh, African-American men in church that I sat down with as well, but the first three were all white. Right. And I didn't, for me at that point in my life, I didn't care what you look like. I wanted what was in you. Wow. I saw character in you. I saw, you know, these were entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, leaders. And I was like, whatever you have, mm. I want that. Yep. And so I, I went after it and and partnered with God's grace. You know, they they were willing to sit with me and have me over their homes. And wow. it, I, I came from the projects and to mm. sit in a home. I mean, it. I only saw it on TV. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. And now I'm sitting in a 5,000 square foot home and I'm thinking I'm in a commercial. Yeah. You know? And uh, it changed my life. Wow. It changed my life. Do you think that's like the distinguishing factor? I mean, you mentioned this idea of like you had to, in some ways, pay a price for change, for healing, to be able to walk through this. Now, obviously, Jesus paid mm-hmm. the price right first yes. that opened that opportunity up Absolutely. for you the gospel laid the the frown, the framework and the groundwork for that for you but you also had to step into that partnership is that the key to to getting out of that kind of a broken past absolutely and and, and what what holds people back from that and you know cuz you've got so much probably friends and people you grew up with as well that still they're kind of perpetuating that cycle what what's the thing that really holds people back from that I think the number one barrier for breakthrough is fear. Mm. And you may have heard this acronym, but fear is false evidence appearing real. Oh, wow. The enemy has placed so much false evidence in their life that they look at the evidence instead of walking by faith. Yeah. Now, fear is real Mm. and fear can be present but it doesn't mean we have to bow to it. Mm. And so I think for for that breakthrough process, we have to break the boundary of fear. And we know the scripture is very clear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's good. Yeah. So if he has not given us a spirit of fear and fear is present, I mean, it comes from someone else. Yeah. But what do we know he did give us? Mm. Love, power. That's right. And a sound mind. That's right. Right. So to get the love, power, and a sound mind... We got to get up, (laughs) right? So for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes, Mm. you get to decide if you're going to be whosoever, Mm. right? That's good. And God got the worst end of the deal. I work with pro athletes and I've had the seriously privilege of my opinion being asked about contracts. Mm. And one thing I've learned is that there's normally the fight is one side wants to get the better end of the deal. Mm. That's yep. normally how a contract works, right? Yep. Exactly. God gave us his son in a covenant in which he got the worst end of the deal. Wow. He gave his only son knowing that not everyone would choose him. That's love. And so fear, perfect love, mm-hmm. right? We know who is perfect love. Yep. There's only one who's perfect love. Right. Cast out all fear. So when I got with perfect love, that power, love, and assigned mind became a part of who I am. Yeah. Now that first step is scary. Yeah. But we walk by faith and not by sight. So I was in so much pain that nothing could change it. So mm-hmm. I had to do something. Mm-hmm. Drinking, sleeping around, popping, it couldn't, it, it wasn't solving it. So I got to do something. Yeah. And so when I got up, Jesus changed my life, but then I partnered with grace. I believe mm-hmm. grace is an empowerment. Yep. I don't believe it's an umbrella. Yeah, that's good. Right? Right. Um, and so I got up, I broke through fear. And I think that's gonna be present in a lot of things in our lives, right? Over time, as long as we're in the flesh, I believe we're gonna battle. Right. Um, I, but the key is to build on a rock. Mm-hmm. You know, in that in that parable in uh, Matthew seven. Yep. You know, the floods came against both people. Right. It's gonna come. It wasn't biased. Exactly. It didn't yep. matter. Right. It, it didn't care. It's coming. And so I just decided that I know storms are coming. Yeah. So if you know storms are coming, you could prepare better. That's right. So we're not naive to that. And so because I know storms are coming, I just decided to build on a rock. Mm, and it so changed good. my life. That's so good. Hey friends, let me steal a few seconds of this episode to tell you about our December bonus episode. We brought back Jeff and Mackenzie Rollins. They were our guests on episode 54 and 55 a few months back and have definitely been a Nothing Is Wasted podcast favorite. So I sat down with them again to learn even more about how they help others through the pain they've endured. To hear this and all of our other previous bonus episodes, head over to nothingiswasted.com slash partners, make a recurring monthly tax-deductible donation, and begin accessing the bonus content we have made available to you. Here's a preview of that bonus episode now. I believe that when the parents are in a healthy place, the kids 
fall right along with the parents. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that is a lot of pressure. <laughs> and, and I know as a parent, you know, we've had, you know, when we've shared that at the retreats, the parents are like, I know, I already feel like a failure in my own grief. And now, you know, like I'm causing extra trauma to my kids. And, and we say, you know, it's not about that, but it's about the extra motivation that sometimes we need to keep going. You mentioned some of the work that you're doing right now with athletes. Um, how do you feel like what you have, what God's taken you through in your past, what you've gone through, what you've been quote unquote rescued out of, yeah. how has that helped you kind of been the building blocks for even this ministry that you're doing oh, with other man. people? It's been so humbling. Um, about 64% of the NFL are African-American males. Yeah. 75% of inner city homes are single parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to bring an experience that I lived into a space where I'm not talking at you. I'm not talking at you. Yep. I'm walking with you through it. Wow, that's so good. So I'm able to say, hey, yo, bro, I know where you're at. Man, I, I know the feeling of parent-teacher conferences and no mm-hmm. one present. I know what it means. I was a starter, and I can count on one hand how many games my grandma came to. Wow. No dad present in this thing, right? So, bro, I get it, but I got the greatest story ever told, bro. Yeah. I, I know the greatest story ever penned. Yeah. Yo, Kanye, cool, but he ain't got no story like this. <laughs> Drake, cool, but he ain't got no story like right. this, right? But let me tell you this story, how this story changed my life, and I believe the story contains yours. Man. And so I, my heart desires to meet guys where they at. Of course, we got guys who got, you know, our, let me just brag on our quarterback really mm-hmm. quick. I mean... Great family, dad Christian, mom Christian. I mean, Andy. I'll, I mean, we're like that's my brother. Yeah. So I got guys on both spectrums that I walk through life with, right? Yeah, right. So you got both, but even the story of redemption relates. Yeah. Period. That's right. Right. It's not. It's not biased. It's, it's not. It's, it's not, not racist. That's right. Right. Yep. I tell people all the time: if you can do open heart surgery on God, mm. you'll see people. Mm. His hardest people. Mm. Black, white, yellow, come yeah. on, father, fatherless, yep. motherless, mother, doesn't matter. The story of redemption is for everybody. Man. And so it's been an honor to walk through life with, with men on both sides. Well, you know, that's the thing about like Jesus, his explanation for pain, like his answer to it. Everybody asks the question, like, mm. why is there pain and suffering in the world? And Jesus's explanation was incarnation. Yes. He stepped into it with yes. us. Yes, yes. He, he didn't look at it from afar off and and go, well, you know, I'm... My creation is suffering there. I'm just going to kind of let them figure out their way through this whole thing. He said, no, I'm going to step in and I'm going to experience everything that they've experienced, all the heartache, all the shame. And in order for us to be able to be Jesus for people in modern context, right? Holy Spirit of the living God, living inside of us, same Mm -hmm. spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We've got to be able to step into that space with them. Yes. And I think what's powerful about what, you're saying right here is that you recognize that everything you went through had a purpose, mm-hmm. had, had, had a, a meaning coming out of it. Now, does, did God want for you or intend for you to, you know, grow up in the projects with your mm-hmm. mom murdered and not knowing your dad? And no, that broke his heart too. Brokenness in our world Absolutely. breaks his heart too. But you, somewhere along the spectrum, opened up your heart to grace and allowed God to turn this thing around mm-hmm. and now you're using it as a leverage point to help other people who are walking through the same thing or coming out of the same thing Oh yeah, with the gospel. I, I, and I think that is freedom. Yeah. Right. I think freedom is me willing to bear pain that you might be free. Wow. So I have enough confidence that he's going to set me free. That's great. I have enough confidence that he's going to set you free. Wow. But if you ever notice in scripture, when God wants to get something in the earth, it comes to a person. Yeah. Wow. How humbling. That's so true. Redemption had to come through a man. That's right. I mean, and not, I mean, he literally, he knows what it feels like not to have a father. That's right. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. How do you leave eternity sitting at the right hand of the father, put on flesh and then be abandoned right. in the greatest time of need? Right. So that identity 
is what makes Jesus the like the he that do. Yeah. Right. Right. Every aspect. He knows what it feels like to lose a mom. Yeah. He his mother is watching him die. Mm-hmm. I mean, every aspect of the human experience that Jesus embodied. Yep. There was an exchange on the cross. Yeah. You deal with shame. He was put to shame. Many right. scholars believe he was butt naked. Mm-hmm. That ain't shame. I don't know what else is. Right. 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 Uh, uh, feeling confused. I mean, the Bible says in the garden, he sweat great drops of blood. I mean, right. every aspect of the human experience, Jesus embodies so that we can be free. Yeah. And the start of that, which is so humbling, is the story comes through us. Yeah. So that's why I want to get over pain. Yeah. Envy, unforgiveness. So that that story can be lived through my experience to say, hey, what mm. he did for me. There's a promise that he's going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's been in a life changer business for how long? Right. That's his full-time job. Right. That's all he does. Yeah. But, right? I, I, I bank on people when I go places. Yo, you've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> I have an expectation you're going to do it right. Right? <laughs> we could bake that he's going to do it right. Yeah, he is. He knows what he's doing. Right. And so. That's so good. It's um, it's freeing to encourage people to walk in freedom in him. Yeah. I ain't nobody. I just humble myself to say, all right, Jesus, whatever you want. The pain's real. Thank you for delivering me. Man, if you want me to be the mailman, whatever mm-hmm. you want me to do, mm-hmm. I give you my life. Man. I don't care. Go, do whatever. I- I'm game. Can you speak to, um, you know, a lot of people think that uh, making it in professional sports or, you know, I mean, there's very few people, small percentage of people that actually get to that spot, right? Yeah. But oftentimes the belief is that, you know, if I just kind of make it to that next level, if I am able to get to this next thing, then everything's going to be fine. It's going to work out. Mm-hmm. You're doing life with and ministering to guys who have made it yeah, to the ultimate, right? I mean, the, the highest place in that profession that you po- possibly can go. Um, and yet you're probably seeing a lot of guys who, yeah, sure, they sign the contract, mm-hmm. they get the signing bonus, they all of a sudden get the money and everything that they thought that they wanted, but they're still living in that same space of brokenness that you found yes. yourself yep. when you had everything that you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, speak to the fact that um, getting what the world has to offer, yeah, all of it, one, it doesn't heal us, two, it also doesn't sustain us. Yeah. How, how have you seen character and integrity be something that really is is needed or valued, uh, is the most valuable thing within the space oh that you're in, especially, goodness. you know? Uh, it's number one, right? If you look at stereotypically the life of an athlete, let's just stick to NFL. We're going to yeah, talk about NBA, right. Major League Baseball. You know, they pop one or nine, yeah, right? They see talent. Um, they're given shoes. Parents' fees are paid for, for the yeah. most part. They get to high school, they're starting, doing well. Right. Everything's paid for. They cater to. Get to college, it's even worse. Yeah. And the whole time they're building a platform of themselves, but not working on the character mm-hmm. of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I tell my players all the time, it's your athletic ability that got you here, but it would be your character that keeps you here. Yep. And so it doesn't matter your athletic ability if you don't have the character to match it. Yeah. So a lot of what I do is speak in the character. Simple things, yep. bro. Number one, keep your word. <laughs> like right. if you say you're going to do something, keep your word. Right. Be on time. Mm. Don't nobody owe you nothing. Right? That's good. Be on time. When you're on time, you're letting the person know that you're working for, mm. whether it be a coach. I respect you. Yeah. Time is a... Time is proof of respect. Yeah, that's so good. Right? Um, Be willing to change. Mm. I believe the unwillingness to change is a character issue. We shortchange the grace of God. And I tell him, listen, Mm. yes, he saved you the way that you were, but he has no intention for you to stay the same. That's good. We cannot part grace. Grace changes. That's what it does. That's right. A lot of character and integrity is what we talk about in small things. Mm. And it's an uphill battle because they do have everything. Yeah. But the last about four months, God has been really speaking to me about the soul of man. Mm. Right? You get born again, you get a new spirit. Mm. Right? That's going to grow through your through your exposure to the word. What did Paul say? I right. wanted to give you meat, but milk. That was a spiritual conversation. Right. But third John says, I wish above all things... That you being that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Yeah. 
So the back end of the scripture is the context. If your soul is going to prosper and being, if you're going to prosper and being healthy, your soul got to prosper first. Mm. So what's your soul? Mind, will, emotions. These are the three areas that I see men specifically if we, in the context of athletes don't never deal with. Mm. Yep. Right. Because they're all constantly dealing with their yes, body. Yes. And yeah. they know how to get swole. Right. They could tell you reps. They could tell you what to eat. Right. Right. I no sugar, no carbs. They could tell you what their workout regimen is. As a matter of fact, they pay trainers big money for them to get in shape yeah. before training camp. Right. Which is in my goodness, three and a half weeks. <laughs> You're about on. <laughs> yes. But what are you willing to pay for your soul to get healthy? Yeah, wow. And that's the deficit for men. And so if I can get them to bend their will to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. if the soul is a man of the mind, will, emotions, if I can get them to bend their will, number one, to the Lord Jesus, that's a will issue. Yeah. Right? He's not making no one serve him. He's that's a right. gentleman. That's right. God that's only good. goes places he's invited. That's good. Right? Wow. He wants your heart. He stands at the door and knock, but he's not kicking it out. Mm. You got to get up and say, yes, open the door to Jesus. Once he gets in there, your mind, Romans 12, right? Mm-hmm. Once you bend your will, you got to renew your mind. Mm. Right? And that comes through the exposure of God's word. Yep. I grew up in Chicago where the high school dropout rate was 50%. Being a minority in America, 48.5% of us are in prison. So I know what the stats say. Once I renew my mind to what God said, it changed the trajectory of my life. That's good. And I live by principle. Never allow another person's opinion of you to become your reality. Mm-hmm. And so all those opinions of who I was, being a black male in America, was changed by what was written. Wow. Right? So that's the mind piece. And then the emotions piece. This is the biggest one. Yeah. Most men do not know how to process emotionally Mm. because we weren't taught. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't cry, you fall, don't cry, get back up. You know, you're the man, stick out your chest. Yeah. That is not the law of the kingdom. Right. The law of the kingdom is humility. Mm. If you humble yourself, I will. I, the Bible says God resists the proud. That's right. That context, if you look it up, is a stiff arm. Yeah. <laughs> now, I got some running backs that swole, right? <laughs> it's one thing to get stiff armed by a running back. Yeah. It's a whole nother thing <sighs> to get stiff armed by God. Come wow. on, somebody. Right. Right? And so once we begin to help them process emotionally, mm. tough conversations, mom, I love you, but I can't give you this. Mm. Dad, I love you, but I can't keep. Change comes by your willingness to confront. Mm. Right? So we can't keep going older because there's 50, 16 year old men that's still 20. Right. Because right. they haven't processed. And it starts with your words. Mm. Right? There were some things I had to confront in my life mm. in order for me to be the man I am today. And it was painful and it was ugly and fear was present, mm. but grace was, it abounded greater. Mm. But I had to get up. Um, I'm in the process now of uh, searching out the woman who murdered my mom mm. to let her know that I forgive her. Wow. And I mean intentional. Yep. Like we have a great woman in our life. She's completing her doctorate degree. She graduated from The Ohio State University with mm-hmm. a doctorate, uh, behavioral criminology, and she's an investigator. And so she's partnering with us to find her. Wow. Because I want to sit her down and release her. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want to let her know that because she didn't serve, serve any jail time. She got off. Wow. And it was cold-blooded murder. I mean, witnesses everywhere. I mean, what? We don't have time to get into that, but but she needs to know she's forgiven because mm. I don't care who you are. If you murdered someone, that is sitting on your emotions. It's yeah. sitting on your soul. And as the son of that victim, I want to let you know that I love you, that God loves you, and that you're forgiven and you're released. Wow. Like, I, I'm so excited. It sounds weird, yeah. but I am. Wow. Um, because as you, you know, yep. you know, unforgiveness, if you heard this, is drinking poison, expecting yep. another person to get sick. That's and, right. You know, I released it years ago, but now I want to physically in her presence. Why? Because mm. I want her to see Jesus. Mm. And so if good. that ain't redemption, I don't know what else is, right? Yeah. And he died for her too. Yeah. And you wouldn't, want your, you wouldn't want your worst enemy to be present from him for eternity. Wow. So. Lamoris, I appreciate you um, sharing that. What, what's really crazy is the journey I'm on right now. You know, we're sitting here as the time, at the time of this recording, we're a couple months away from my wife's uh, murder trial. And, you know, I, I'm just in a space where I'm thinking about it a lot right now. Mm. I'm trying to prepare my mind for it, my heart for it. 
um, when everything happened, I, I felt like I was more in like shock or denial or there was definitely a mixture of those two things and grace just all my life to be able to to walk and step with the Spirit and walk in forgiveness. Mm. But, you know, forgiveness is a daily decision. Oh, man. And when you're removed from it this far and you've had time to process and mm-hmm. out of the shock and out of the denial and walk through a bunch of healing, and mm-hmm. now it's like a conscious decision. Yeah. Now it's a, how do I really feel about these guys? What do I really think? Yeah. How am I really going to walk in these things? And so this just, to me, feels a little bit like what you just said right there feels a little bit like, man, the Holy Spirit's just... And God has providentially connected us just yeah. for you to say that and to prepare my heart even more for this. Yeah. To to say, man, no matter what, you know, the 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 enemies of of this earth of our, you know, yes. they're not the yes. real enemies. Yes, right. Yes, we wrestle not against exactly flesh and blood. That's yes. right. Yes. And and the best way for us to get revenge on the real enemy is not yes. with hatred. It's not with bitterness. Absolutely. It's with love it's with and love. forgiveness. Yes. And, and, and offering that same, extending that same forgiveness that snatched us up out of the real enemy's clutches yes. so that they have the opportunity to be snatched out of the, the real enemy's clutches too. Yes, yes. You know, you, 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 you hit something so key. If we're going to live the lenses of mm-hmm. the gospel, yeah, right? A lens speak of something, yeah. right? There's a camera, you guys can see listening to this, <laughs> but the adjustment of that lens can, can detour, right? obstruct, right? Bring in large or small, the picture. That's right. We know the gospel, the lenses gospel is love. Mm. That God's number one desire is that his children come home. Wow. That's the entire narrative. Wow. God created man. He wanted a family. Sin destroyed the family. He missed his family so much. In the beginning, he came to live in a box. Mm. How does the God of the universe park in a box? Yeah. He said, nope, box can do it. Mm. He said, okay, I got to go. Mm. Emmanuel, God with us. That's right. He wanted his family back so bad that he was willing to die so mm. that he could have his family back. So when pain enters our narrative yeah, and we choose to forgive, we help people come back to the Father. That's right. No matter what they've done. That's right. He died for them. What permission do I have to hold them prisoner yeah. with unforgiveness? Yeah. Because it, it doesn't touch them. Mm-mm. It affects it's, me. It's holding yourself hostage. Yes. And if Jesus died for every person ever born, yeah. he died for the woman who murdered my mom. Mm, that's right. For the man who murdered my aunt. Mm-hmm. For the man who murdered my uncle. He mm. died for them. What right do I have to keep them away from the family? That's so good. Why? Because the greatest of the narrative is we here for a short time. Sure. And I want them to be with their dad, mm. despite what they've done. And I know the wrestle is in flesh and blood, so I can't take it personal. Mm. Now, I don't mean I won't wrestle with the emotional of it, mm-hmm. but yeah. I have to keep in mind hindsight. These are, these are God's kids. Yeah. These are babies. Yeah. And this baby was a bad kid. He'd mm. been in timeout. Mm. She was in timeout. But he's welcome back to the, he's welcome mm. back to the table. That's right. And we get to play in that narrative. What an honor. Now, don't mean it doesn't suck. It don't mean it ain't painful, but we're in a greater story. And that's why we love movies. That's it. Right? We love movies because in the end, something good's about to happen. Mm. Right? It might suck in the beginning. Come on, uh, mm. Snow White, right? You sleep and knocked out or, right? Come on. Yep. But we know she wakes up and marry that prince. Yeah. What if we bring in people out of the kingdom of darkness, getting them transferred to the kingdom of his love mm. so they can be back with their dad? Mm. The honor to be in that story. There's a chapter in your story mm-hmm. that was bad, but what the enemy meant for bad, he's about to turn around for good. That's so good. And the narrative of that is eternity. Mm-hmm. And I, for me, I want those individuals in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Does it suck? Yes. But w- Jesus didn't get justice. Yeah. Yeah. He was innocent. Six trials, found guilty. And what did he do? Healed the sick. Raise the dead, multiply food, cast out demons. They stand before the same people he did those things for, and they say, we want Barabbas. Mm. Who was Barabbas? You and I. Yeah. He took our place. So what if we get the opportunity to become Jesus Mm. to those who hurt us? Wow. If he can do it, we can do it. Why? So are we in this world. 
Oh my gosh, now that hurts. But the redemption and love of it is so powerful. That's right. It's freeing. Yeah. And to say I'm 39 years old and I'm completely free mm. of the pain of things I had no control over. Yeah. Because he did it first. Yeah. My God, you know how many lives has been impacted? And that's what it's about. Yep. It's a narrative of getting God's kids back to their dad. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a whole nother way of stepping into the suffering of Christ to share in his resurrection. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not just a, a consolation to us where we go, hey, it's okay if I suffer or if, I, if I've gone through something hard because when I share in his sufferings, I'm sharing his, he'll, re, he'll redeem this, he'll, he'll raise me up. Yeah. It's, this is on the other side of the coin. I am willingly subjecting myself and leaning into and stepping into pain on behalf of somebody else. Absolutely. In the same way that Jesus did that. Absolutely. And so that, that, that it attaches our spirits even more. Absolutely. Know? It attaches yeah. me closer to who Jesus is. And then because of that, I'm allowed and able to share in his resurrection yes. and become even freer. Yes. We wow. were crucified with him. I yeah. don't think we understand that. <laughs> then Paul said we was raised to sit with him in heavenly places. Yeah. But the most profound scripture in the context of everything we're talking about, and I think of Second Corinthians 5.21, for he who knew no sin... Mm became sin for us. I don't care, no scholar. I really don't think the human makeup can really have a grasp of what that is until we see him. Jeez, wow. He became sin for us. So that same sin that was against us, Mm -hmm. he became that. So what right do I have not to forgive? Wow. He died for that. He did, not me. And he knew I couldn't have been born at Abraham time. Because if you'd have told me to take my son, I'd be like, no, yeah. I am not giving my son for this knuckleheaded world. Come on, right, somebody. Right. And we know that because Abraham did, God was able to release his son. Mm. And that's why there was a ram in the thicket and not a lamb. Yeah. Abraham knew he was acting out prophecy yeah. because the exact same spot geographically where Abraham was to offer Isaac was yep. the exact same spot Jesus died yep. for you and me. Wow. And so God always uses the human narrative. Mm. He partners. It's the look in the Bible. It's all through the scriptures. God moved when he saw us move. Mm. Imagine what God would move in the lives of those we forgive. Mm. And that's the perspective. It has to be kingdom because if we can walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, the pain is real. Mm. The situation was real. I struggled for years of my life. But if I look through the kingdom narrative, I see redemption. My redemption draws nigh. That's right. My offenders' redemption draws nigh. Mm. And if we can be a part of that, we might be their only space to see the gospel, not hear it, Yep. to see it. Yep. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And um, wow, that perspective brings life to my family. Yeah. Because I have kids asking, you know, where's grandma? Mm. And my kids have heard me and I'm very transparent with my kids. And... um. You know, I, they're able to see me love mm. despite them never meeting their grandparents. Yeah. You know, what an encouragement to them. Well, that's doing more to rewrite your heritage oh. and your family's script than anything else is them them watching you, seeing it. It's being caught, not just taught yeah. to them. Yeah. Isn't and that what Jesus did for that's God? That's right. He rewrote the narrative of man. That's it. Well, Morris, when are you going to write a book, man? I'm working on it, man. <laughs> I am. I'm working on it. Wow. I'm, I'm way overdue. Um, yeah. I, I think God had, has me in a season where I'm, I'm just focusing on my family. Mm. My kids are still young. Yep. And I travel quite a bit off season. So I, the struggle for me is I don't want to miss these early days yeah. because I'm away writing a book. That's good. But I got the title. Good. I got three chapters. Nice. And it's a work in progress. Well, whenever you so. do write that, I'll be the first one to put my hands on it. Because, man... I love the, everything that that the Lord is speaking through you right now. It's just powerful, powerful. What's next for you right now? What's what's going oh, on? Oh man, what's next? Um, we got training camp coming in three weeks, okay. and so once the season starts, man, it it don't stop till the Super Bowl. Come on, just be in agreement. <laughs> Bengals in the Super Bowl. There we go. <laughs> uh, no, but we. Uh, I don't we, know if I can say that in Colts country. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we, we're all in, but until then I have a few more speaking engagements cool. and, uh, we're in Colorado, a player getting married in Utah. So I'm there, uh, married a player in Italy. Um, so yeah, wow. we 
just, you know, doing a family thing and that's awesome. Ministry don't stop. So, yeah. And uh, I, I'm so honored. And, you know, I think, could you imagine what the Apostle Paul could have done if he can get on an airplane? Wow. And so that keeps me grounded. So we don't have an excuse, right? No excuse. <laughs> the impact no he excuse. had and we yes. have technological advances yes. like crazy. Yes. I wow. can get in the car. I mean, if it's an eight hour drive, yeah. but it took him five days. <laughs> so what an honor it is. So wow. yeah, staying busy. That's next. Um, yeah, I'm launching a, a ministry here in Indiana. Hopefully I could talk to you off yes. mic yes. Uh, about. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're awesome. excited. Yeah, That's so cool. Well, okay, where can people follow you? Do you have, are you on Instagram? You on yeah, Facebook? I'm on IG. On, okay. Yeah, IG, Facebook, Twitter. Um, Twitter, Lamores Kai. IG, Lamores underscore Crawford. And Facebook, just Lamores Crawford. So, Very but cool. I am over the friend limit, so you're going to have to follow on Facebook. <laughs> I, I don't want to, I want to do a page, but I, I'm kind of low key, man. I, yeah. you know, people, what can I, you know, I just, I, I ain't, that ain't really my flow. Yeah. I'm not the celebrity preacher dude. I mm. just want to impact the kingdom, keep my head down and love my wife and family, man. man. That's Praise the Lord. That's it. So that's awesome. Well, we'll put all that stuff on this podcast page where people can track you down pretty easily and cool. follow the ministry you're doing, man. Cause it's, it's awesome. You're having a huge impact. You're creating it. kingdom legacy, man. So good. Thanks for this conversation too. No, I mean, thanks for having me. It's a privilege, man. And, and just to watch you and the steps you've taken on your journey, mm-hmm. it's, it's encouraging. And mm-hmm. I know for every person that listening to this, it's, it's, it's an encouragement, man. It's a fuel to wow. keep going. And, and that's what it's about. So I commend you, bro. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Davey, what a great interview I'm with telling Lamoris. You, I'm telling you, he's amazing. I just want Lamoris to move to Indianapolis because I just want to hang out with him all the time. <laughs> he's amazing. But, you know, he's committed to the Bengals. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, I know he's committed to the Bengals. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Hey, you know, well, continuing we'll... our discussion that we had in the intro, I was thinking about this the more I was listening to our conversation again. I feel like that... I feel like people will typically trend toward falling on one side of or the other of a certain spectrum when it comes to um, the what you carry with you from trauma. I feel like that we can either cause our trauma or our past or our hurts or our pain to define us. And so it literally like cripples us and paralyzes us and, and prevents us from moving forward. We allow shame to pile up. We allow a victim mentality. The lens that we see the world. Exactly, exactly. Or on the other side of the spectrum, though, I see that there is a very real temptation to completely deny it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's like, no, it didn't happen. I'm not, we're not going to talk about it. You see this oftentimes with families who they choose to deal with grief by just not mentioning it whatsoever. Yeah. And, and and I feel like both polar opposites can be very dangerous. Your past does not have to define you. What's happened to you does not have to define you. You are not a divorcee. You are not a widower. You are that's a season of your life. It's not the the whole of your life. Yeah. It, but but also we do need to acknowledge these things. I think that's the step that I, that is the first step toward healing is acknowledging them, sitting in them, dealing with them. We talk oftentimes about lamenting and until we're ready to embrace what's happened to us, we can't move beyond what's happened to us. Yeah, Davey, actually, as you're talking, it reminds me of your pain to purpose course and why it is so beneficial for people because a lot of people get stuck. They either let it define them or they want to deny it. And I feel like uh, what you have provided for people is a launching pad to take their hurt and their trauma and move it to a place that um, not only can they find healing and redemption, but purpose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really the idea behind it is because we saw so many people who were getting stuck. And again, Lamoris's life is just a testimony of you don't have to be stuck. This does not have to paralyze you. It does not have to, again, I'll say it doesn't have to define you, but God wants to use it to refine you into the person that he has called you to be. And I think giving you an even greater purpose and destiny moving forward, this like um, this powerful ministry that that can you know be that can be leveraged out of your life, and so if you're you know you're like what's the pain to purpose course? If you're wanting to check out what that is, you can go to our website nothingiswasted.com/slash/pain-to-purpose. You can also go to mypain-to-purposeplan.com. Either one of those will take you there, and you can get some more information on that. 
For sure, for sure. Well, as always, we want to thank Ryan O'Neill at Sleeping at Last for providing the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. We are so grateful for you. You guys should totally check out all his stuff. It is gold. Um, And before we go, here's a clip of next week's interview with Misty Phillip. I started drinking in junior high school and um, went out with some friends and was raped by um, one of my friend's older brothers. And I came home and I didn't tell my parents because I was afraid uh, because I'd been out drinking. I didn't want them to know. I mean, just the enemy just so messed with my mind so much. And, um, and after that, I really like, I dove deep. So I'm, I'm struggling, like I'm in school and I'm trying to do well, but then I start doing drugs because I have all this pain that had nowhere to go and, um, and lived a pretty awful teenage existence, Mm. you know, just as far away from the Lord as I could possibly be. Yeah. I got pregnant during that time and had an abortion and hit just the deepest, darkest pit of my life. And, uh, you know, I was 17 years old and I was crying out to God uh, just to help me to fix my mess, you know? And I lived for many, many, many years with the guilt and the shame of that. Mm. um, That really took, I took that into my adulthood because here I had all this grief that I never dealt with and um, and then I felt unforgivable, like that I had committed an unforgivable sin. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that kind of it really wreaked havoc on mm. on my life. 